long time since I've heard that music. Hello and welcome to the Let the Chaos Begin Rebooted Podcast. Hey, this is Jamie Jamikowski, your host of the podcast. I'm the founder and former owner of Chaotic Wrestling, and I'm back bringing you new episodes of Let the Chaos Begin featuring the stars and stories of the most successful independent wrestling company in New England history, Chaotic Wrestling. So I'm really happy to be back. I want to give listeners a little bit of history on me and on this podcast in case you're new to us. I was actually founder, owner, and operator of both Chaotic Wrestling and the Chaotic Training Center since their inceptions way back in 2001. Uh, I was with Chaotic for over 18 years. And I like to say that over those 18 years, we were probably the most successful company in the region. Uh, We did a lot of cool stuff. We had a lot of names that we brought in. We started a lot of careers. I think the one thing that we are most proud about during our running Chaotic Wrestling is that we were probably the longest continuously running company in New England for close to two decades. Uh, We never took a break. We never shut down for a little while. We just kept doing what we did and just kept running some of the best independent wrestling shows in the area. Um, During that time, we also owned the Chaotic Training Center or the CTC, uh, which I believe was regarded as the premier place to train in New England for a lot of years. Uh, we produced a lot of the current stars you see on TV now. Uh, Kofi Kingston, Ivar, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and the wrestler formerly known as Sasha Banks, uh, Mercedes Monet. They all started their careers in chaotic wrestling and at the Chaotic Training Center. In 2017, I actually sold the company. Uh, I kind of took a little bit of a break, and then I kind of came back to the industry by starting the original Let the Chaos Begin podcast with my longtime chaotic ring announcer, Rich Palladino. Uh, with Rich... We produced over two dozen episodes over the course of two years uh, where we talked to some of the biggest stars from the first two decades of Chaotic and really some of our closest friends. Well, Let the Chaos Begin rebooted. It's kind of like the company itself. It's changed. It's evolved. But it's a little bit different this time around. First of all, I'm actually flying solo as your host this time. One of the biggest reasons for that is I'm no longer located in my lifelong home of New England. No, about two years back, I relocated, and I'm now broadcasting from the sunny shores of Malibu, California, home of the Kardashians, Nobu, and there's literally a Hollywood star around every corner. Also a little bit different this time around, while I'm still going to talk to some of the stars of Chaotic Wrestling from my 18 years with the company, we're going to focus a lot more on the current stars of Chaotic. These are the men and women who are bringing Chaotic into a new era with new fans, new angles and a new approach to wrestling. So I'm really excited to talk to some of these folks over the course of this podcast, and I hope you are too. So today I am thrilled to welcome my first guest on the new Let the Chaos Begin podcast. She is one of the cornerstones of what I call the post-pandemic chaotic wrestling. She's a former chaotic wrestling women's champion. She was the very first chaotic wrestling pan optic champion. She was featured in their YouTube documentary special attraction, and she most recently competed in the annual chaotic tradition, Pandemonium. Please welcome my guest this week, the international pop sensation, Becca. Becca, how are you? Hi, I'm great. That's awesome. Now, now Becca, <laughs> we, were, we were talking before, you and I have never actually met in person, I don't think, do, do, have we? Yeah, I think we we missed each other. <laughs> we kind of crisscrossed, or I, I had left yeah. Chaotic and you were, you would come in. Uh, when, when did you come into Chaotic? Uh, it was like fall of 2019. Gotcha. Uh, around like no, October, November, around then, I think. Gotcha. 
So let's let's back up. I want to learn about you a little bit first, and then we'll talk about your career in Chaotic and some of the things you have you have coming up. Uh, let's start off with a real easy one. Um, like, tell me a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Um, what part of the country are you originally from? Your family, brothers, sisters. Tell me a little bit about you. Yeah, um, I'm originally actually from the Midwest. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Um, yeah, I have. I have a bunch of sisters. Um, how, how many sisters? How many sisters do you have? I have three. And now, where do you yeah. fall? Oldest, youngest? I'm a middle. middle, middle you're a middle. Child. Okay. Older middle. Yeah. Older middle. Okay. So or, you're, yeah, you're, sorry, you're in the, younger middle. <laughs> younger middle. Okay. So you're on the bottom tier. Gotcha. You're, you're yeah. The, okay. Gotcha. Which I was like very happy about because I did not like being the youngest child. So. I like hated being babied. So when my little sister was born, I was so happy. It was like the best day. What's, so. what's the age? What's the age difference between you and your younger sister? Six years. Okay. So that's a pretty good gap. Yeah. Yeah. We were like best friends for oh, a that, long time growing up. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. very fun. <laughs> yeah. We, we have our, we have an only child who's, who's a daughter and she's, she's 19 now. So I, I oh, like wow. to think that I like to think it gets easier. Um, but at the same time, I couldn't imagine having four of her running around my house <laughs> at any given time. What What were your interests growing up? Because I thought I read someplace you were not a big wrestling fan growing up. No, I actually like didn't really know what wrestling was at all when I was younger. Like I knew it from pop culture. Like I knew who John Cena was and like, like from like the Nickelodeon awards or whatever it was that he did. Like <laughs> I knew like who he was and then uh like the rock and maybe that might have really been it like uh yeah I just didn't really understand what it was at all and I didn't even know like women wrestled so when I was younger I just yeah I had no concept of it but I um I did really like sports um I was like very into soccer hockey gymnastics um dance and yeah, just like all kinds of things when I was younger. Um, so so you were yeah. kind of an athlete growing up in general? Yeah, when I was, yes, yeah. And, and I, until like high school, then I kind of focused more on hockey. You know? Okay, I, ice hockey, field hockey, which one? Ice hockey. Yeah, I think, well, so I had, um, I played through like a program um, that wasn't associated with the school. Uh, it was um, associated with like the um, the Blue Jackets. Okay. Uh, so it was like a program for kids who didn't have like a hockey team at their school. So we did have like a women's team, but it was like very like, let's say like, we were very much like the underdogs were kind of like all thrown together because there gotcha. was like girls from a bunch of different schools who didn't have hockey teams. Almost like a, what they would call like a club team now is I think what they're called now. Yeah, it was like, it, yeah, it was a club team, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so then how does um, uh, a, a female ice hockey player from Ohio uh, find her way to New England? Um, so I went to school in Boston. Oh, where'd you um, go? I went to Northeastern. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's how I ended up in Boston. Um, and what, what, were you, yeah. what, what did you study at Northeastern? I studied engineering. Really? How to, how to drive yeah. trains? No. <laughs> I love that joke. Uh, and everybody, everybody hates it, but I, I go with it every time. 
No, that's good. That's Thanks. a good one. Okay, and and so now you're at Northeastern in Boston, and um, what made you decide to be a wrestler? I know a little bit of your history, and we'll talk about. I think it's called uh, the Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers. We'll talk about that in a second. But like, where where'd you make that like mental shift? Yeah, that's a great question. I so I got into it just kind of. Um, it was like I feel like it was just like a pop culture moment where like re- women's wrestling was like a thing. Like Glow had just come out on Netflix, like the Netflix show, mm-hmm. and I had like watched a little bit of it, and um, and then like the NXT women's division was like really popping off at the time too. Um, so I ended up like kind of getting into that and that's kind of how I started watching wrestling and from there it was kind of like yeah I just kind of like became really into it and my coworkers and friends would kind of be like oh you should do it and like we would come up with like like you know gimmick ideas and like moves that I could do or whatever but it was like very much theoretical like as a joke and then I saw like a flyer that one of my friends had like reposted on Instagram or something um, that like one of her friends was in this queer wrestling league called the Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers. And I was like, oh, wow, this is cool because I could like, you know, bring all of these ideas, like, like actualize them in this group of people that like looks really fun it looks like you know just like a it just looks like a fun thing to join so um I ended up like going to a tryout for them um okay so I I have I have to ask and we'll we'll talk a little bit about as as we get into chaotic and we'll talk a little about me when I was in chaotic um I I gotta ask um what exactly was it does a tryout (laughs) At the Boston League, because I pulled up, I watched the special on YouTube, and and I pulled up some clips online, and and based on what I saw there as, as actual shows, I'm dying to know what a trial would look like. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. Well, I will say I think that they have changed a lot since I was there, um. Because I, I when well, I'll just say my tryout was like you more based on theater so you kind of did more like almost like a promo but like a like a little like spiel about like who you wanted to be in the league like your character or whatever and then um they they weren't like trained at that time they weren't trained to wrestle in how like we think of professional wrestling no really it was like It was like more uh like theater combat. So it was like like quarter rolls and like those kind of mm-hmm. like just basic like judo rolls, like those kind of things. Um and not really like bumping or anything like that. Um so it was a little bit of that too. So, so in, that's ter- basically what, what it was so like. In terms of like learning and coaching when you got there. Now, how old were you at this point? Oh man, twenty maybe. Okay, so you're on twenty. Yeah. So in terms 21? of like, le- <laughs> so in terms of like learn- <laughs> learning and coaching, I don't even know. it's okay. I understand it, it. It all. Trust me, the older you get, the more it just all starts to blur together. Um, 
So in like with the learning and the coaching, was it more about theater and performance? Yeah. Okay. There there wasn't really coaching. Um, so it, it was more about putting together a show there. So they, they were like very storyline focused mm-hmm. and like character interaction focused. And the the like wrestling part was like just like a tool that they used to have their performances. Um it, it was but, just it was kind of, kind of like just they used kind of a wrestling concept as their differentiator between other small theater groups, kind of. Yeah, and I think like they were taking con like what you're saying about like the concept of wrestling I think that that it really resonated with a lot of people in the group um because it is like a really interesting format and way to tell stories and I think like that was the emphasis was like uh you have these like really over exaggerated um characters and through the expression of like violence you can tell these stories um that can be very interesting so that I think that was like more the idea but this is also like this was at the time like I I don't know if they're doing something different now um because I at this point they didn't have a ring this was entirely ringless wrestling so it it was like mat wrestling at like a bar like like that um so now I think they have a ring so they might be doing things more differently now but yeah at the time it was like Matt. See, Becca, I like to think that I'm I'm calm, relaxed, West Coast, Southern California, Jamie now. Um, and then you start talking about, you know, wrestling without a ring on mats and bars. And I start to break out the the old promoter in me starts to break out in hives. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna try to get through this. Um and the good thing is no matter who we talk about, um, don't feel you have to say anything bad about anybody. I'll do all of that myself. Oh, no. um, because that that's why that's why I was never the most loved person in New England um yeah. and I and I still await my invitation to the uh, New England wrestling pro wrestling hall of fame I think they're too worried about what my acceptance speech would be but so you know, now I and ben, I've, I've like heard from a lot of people different things oh about <laughs> how they feel about you know blow like the mm-hmm. the organization and you know I can understand different you know, perspective and thoughts on that. But at the end of the day, I think um, it, it is what they're doing. And especially when at the time I was there, it was really fun and it was really entertaining and they did get a lot of people at their shows and they're, they weren't like regular wrestling fans. These were just like people who wanted to be entertained. Um, And yeah, I I don't know. I'm a I'm a blow defender. No, I die to be honest. I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you all kidding aside. You know, I I I am known for having um quite an ego when it came to my time in in chaotic wrestling. That being said, whether it's blow, whether it's other places, everybody starts somewhere. And when you have both the promotion and the school, that's something you have to recognize. I mean, two of the most well known people ever in chaotic wrestling were Brian and Matt, the Logan brothers. Mm-hmm. And we met the Logans when they were working some garbage show at the PAV in Lowell that we eventually took over. Um, 
but I, I believe they had like some kind of like a weird clown or juggaloo gimmick and they were awful. <laughs> but then, you know, they came into chaotic, they trained and they got, and now they're probably two of the most respected guys in New England over the past couple of decades. And yeah. you hear everything. Um, uh, WWE, Ivar, I still call him Handsome Johnny. <laughs> he tells stories about working backyard shows up in New Hampshire where he lived. So whether it's Blow, whether it's in Lowell, or whether it's, you know, uh, backyard wrestling, so many people had to start somewhere. And yeah. there's really, there's no reason to be, to be embarrassed about it. If you can still get a good <laughs> chuckle out of it, that's a good thing. But no, ne no never be I embarrassed do. about where you start, ever. And I think, I don't know, I guess like the, the distinction I'm trying to make is like, I think, I mean, I had no idea that indie wrestling was even a thing. And I think a lot of other people in the league didn't know either. So it, it whereas like, I feel like sometimes people see backyard wrestling as like imitating mm -hmm. trained professional wrestling. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was like taking sure. the concept and making it something different. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess in my mind, there's like a distinction there. Oh. Um, but I'm definitely not not ashamed of it. Because no, in my don't. mind, my real wrestling journey didn't start until I attended my first like open house at a school. Um, this was almost like how I got into even the idea of becoming a performer. Because before I joined Blow, I was like not a performance person. Like I had done theater when I was younger, but I, I really like didn't like I didn't have social media. My Instagram, I probably had like one picture. Like <laughs> I was like not like, uh, you know, like obviously I was in shape, but I was I never was like into wearing makeup, or like my fashion sense was very like baggy clothes, like tomboy more. So I don't know. <laughs> For me, it was like such a different shift in just like even entering the world of entertainment but um I don't really feel like I started to wrestle until I mean <laughs> a long time after that <laughs> so so talk about that transition so now you decide okay you know what I I like this but I yeah. kind of want to move in the direction of being a uh this is gonna sound so odd a real pro wrestler yeah, no, so, it's so, true, yeah. <laughs> so now where did you make that, That where was your first open house that you went to? Dude, no, so my first indie show that I went to, I yeah. was like, oh, this is different. Like, this is, this is real. Like, this is what I want to do. Okay. And me and another girl who were involved in um, Blow, we both were like very, I would say, unsatisfied with the we wanted more from like the physical part of it. Okay, sure, but sure. in our mind, like all we had was like, it was like blow and then WWE. We didn't know about anything else. <laughs> that was like it. You're laughing because I, I have to tell you, so many people have heard this me tell this story before and you may not know this. Um, Becca, the first indie wrestling show I ever went to in my life was one I owned. <laughs> I I had no idea that indie wrestling existed until we bought and started chaotic wrestling. That's crazy. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. I, yeah. I totally understand. It's such a little like sub world, like niche world. And, and if you're not in it at all, like it's really hard to know that it's there. I think like, cause I was, 
very into wrestling on like Tumblr and like, you know, all of these like fan kind of sites. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea that (laughs) there was indie wrestling. So yeah, so I, I like, we went to this indie show and you meet some of the wrestlers and, um, we learned about like an open house at, um, uh, top rope in fall river. Yep. And so we went to that and, um, we also learned about a few other schools in the area, um, the bell time club in Wakefield and, um, the new England pro wrestling Academy. Um, and, uh, at the time I didn't have a car and neither did my friend. So, the bell time club was kind of the only real feasible option we also didn't know anyone from any of the other schools except the top rope one so we were like all right we'll go to the bell time club and like you know the trainers there were like very welcoming to us and very encouraging um and so we went to like the open house at top rope but then ended up at the bell time club um and i was there for like five months six months until I started at NEPWA in the fall. And now when you went to um, the NEPWA, who, <laughs> who, who, who was training there? Who were the trainers at the time? Um, it was Brian Ferry, Chase, and um, Scott. Okay. So, so now I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm intimately familiar with that building. Um, what was your first reaction when you walked in there as versus shows you had seen or the Bell Time Club? Oh, I was like, this is legit. Like two rings, um, so many people training there. The, you know, it was just, it felt like there was a really strong like vibe of people wanting to improve and wanting to put work in and get better. Um, and I really liked that. And it was it was hard like the trainings were were challenging we did a lot of like blow-ups and um you know cardio and drills and just stuff that was you know it felt like hard work and so I really liked it there yeah I I can say if I remember back at that point Brian Fury was the king of blow-up drills yeah (laughs) yeah and I liked it I mean it was you know, some days I would go in dreading it and other days I would go in like, let's, you know, let's fucking go, like <laughs> kill this, you know, but, you know, it, it definitely set the tone, I think, for the training and the intensity and um, just the mindset. Now, now, as you made that transition, especially at the at the NEPWA, um, were you at all surprised by how much your body would hurt at the end of a night? Honestly, I feel like the rings that we were in was pretty nice at least compared to the ones i had been in before uh right now right now there are dozens of past chaotic wrestling uh and and old ctc trainees who who despise me a little bit more hearing you say that (laughs) because i think by the time it became uh any pwa you guys had new rings you guys had softer rings you had rings with really nice bump to them yeah and some of my old guys will tell you that um bumping on our old training rings uh, bumping on on a lawn with a little bit of mulch might have been more comfortable for them. <laughs> oh God! Our ring, our rings were rough for a little while because we had we had our old rings. You may you may even be too young to ever, ever have seen one. We had one center spring 
in the middle of our ring. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. Do, it, it might have. One of them might still have lingered there. Um, I think it when is, you first yeah. started. Yeah, or yeah, I've. I remember when we moved them, seeing that. Okay, yeah. So I think we did have that one. And and the worst part of those was the older they got, the less that thing would spring. Oh God! So there was just no give to the ring. So so yeah. So you were you were fortunate that you've transitioned away from that from those awful yeah. awful rings. Well, there was like one ring that I feel like was a little more rough, mm-hmm. um, which was like the beginner ring, and then gotcha. The other one was was not so bad, um, but the blow ups and stuff definitely had me sore and yeah. <laughs> And now, now who kind of, who did you get started with there? Like who kind of came in at the same time as you? I, I honestly, I kind of came in alone, but when I was there, I think there were a few people who had been there for like a few months or had at least been training around the same amount of time as me. Gotcha. Um, And that was like Armani Chaos and Paris Vandale. Um, The two of them were... It like I felt like the three of us were kind of like learning and going and together um, in terms of just like where we were at skill wise. Um, so, yeah, I kind of consider that them as like people that I started with at NEPWA. So I know if I'm, if I'm kind of doing the math right in my head from when you said you started training um, and by the time you probably got yourself ready, uh, match ready. Uh, something strange probably happened right in the middle of there where the world shut down for a little while. Yes. <laughs> when was your first chaotic match? My first? Oh, so my my like singles wrestling debut was at Chaotic. Okay. Um, and it was January of 2020. Um, it was like a four minute match with Ava Everett. So gotcha. that was like my first ever singles and my first match at Chaotic. But after that, I didn't work chaotic again until the reloaded tapings, um, which were like a year, roughly a year later. Um, okay. Yeah. So your first match was, was on an actual pre-pandemic show then? Yes. Now, when did, now you won the women's championship from Ava Everett, correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was like a year later, I think. So that was after? Yeah, that was at like a taping okay so t- tell me about that conversation who told you um what was your reaction I was like shocked I mean I was just really excited because I you know like wasn't originally from Napa and like I had been there like during the pandemic like mm-hmm. obviously I was there training like as often as I could you know three four days a week sometimes depending on what the schedule was like during lockdown like it was you know we trained in like small groups and, um, and everything, but so I had been there, but I wasn't, I had only worked one chaotic show. So I was kind of, and I had like no experience really. Right. Like I had yeah. like three matches and then the pandemic happened. Um, so I was like surprised and just like really excited. Also it was like, it's like the, it was the big women's title in new England. Like there was no other women's title like it so I was just really excited and happy and I probably cried because I'm a dork but (laughs) yeah and at the time you had some pretty um I know at that point Ava was probably not full-time with chaotic I think she and AG had either moved away or they were taking a lot of outside bookings 
but you did have some pretty solid folks around you, starting with um, one of my all-time favorites is Davian. She was still there, correct? Yes. Davian and I had like a few ma- matches at Chaotic. Um, she got me in my foot in the door at Limitless uh, at the 2020 VLC um, tapings that they did. So yeah, I was like very lucky to get to work with Davian a lot at that time. Yes, I, I will go on record and tell everybody that Davy was probably one of my favorite people ever in New England. Um, and yeah. to this day, I think if Davy <laughs> called me and asked me for for a favor, or whatever, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. I, I absolutely love her. Um, I'm I'm thrilled that you got to or get to work with her and train with her because I think she's fantastic and she's come such a long way in New England. Yeah, I I feel very fortunate too, and I genuinely don't think that I would be who I am today without her. Um, so I'm I'm forever grateful. <laughs> Davy was always one of my favorites because Davy is such a nice person, and I've known Davy for God probably a decade at this point. Um, but I always loved that as she got experience in the ring, um, and as Davy got better and her reputation grew, she had less and less tolerance for those who perhaps didn't respect the business or appreciate what they did nearly as much. And I always loved that about Davy. I feel like wrestling her definitely taught me to. Uh hit hard early on in my wrestling yeah, career. Uh, um, just knowing the people that, that helped train Davey, uh, you know, Fury, <laughs> Malonis, Handsome, a lot of them, I, I know for, not for a fact, because I wouldn't get in the ring with her, but um, as sweet and nice as Davey is, I hear she's not exactly a light worker at times, and she certainly knows uh, when to lay her stuff in uh, if she has to. So love Davey, yeah. big fan, big fan. Thanks. Now, at, at that point in time, it, your women's champion, and I have to, I know you get asked about this all the time. It's such a trite question, but I have to ask, what's up with the scrunchies and the scrunchie squad? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wore a lot of scrunchies. Like that was just genuinely who I was as a person at the time. Um, and I just started wearing them more with my gear. And I feel like there was like a show, like, maybe right before lockdown that I did with um, Armani Chaos and Paris Vandale. And we like called ourselves the scrunchie squad. And then like, I don't know, it just kind of kept going with it on social media, like during lockdown. Cause like, what else can you do? You can't wrestle, but you know, so <laughs> I just started like, you know, making stuff up on the internet um, and making this like scrunchie squad, whatever. Um, and like, I don't know people people seem to like it so I kind of ran with that for a minute um and it was really fun I like yeah I, I, when I won the belt I like put a bunch of scrunchies on it um called it my scrunchie belt but I, I have to imagine that that kind of your your initial experience with with blow and some of that that actually probably helped you more than others during the pandemic because as you said, when you were with them, you focused a lot more on character and storytelling. So when all of a sudden shows in the ring weren't available to you, it probably worked to your benefit that now you could at least, okay, you're used to doing character stuff and silly stuff. And now you were yeah. able to do that online. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, I think that's a great point, especially with like it being silly. I think like a lot of the promos that I did during lockdown were very absurd. Like they were really silly. Like I look, I look back and I'm like, oh, I need to delete all of this. <laughs> this is like embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, you know, when there's 
nothing else going on in the world and people are on the internet 24 hours a day because they can't leave their homes like they want to see something stupid and uh I think like being in like over the top like character making these like silly vlogs or whatever um did help me a lot and it at least got me like you know some clout on social media sure which helped me get booked when when wrestling came back so it was helpful right and and now we mentioned earlier Becca that although we've never met in person uh, I can tell you that it was something happened during your second title reign in chaotic wrestling I'm pretty removed from wrestling at this point I keep to myself out here but it was during your second title reign that uh, the company and you were involved in making a decision that had my phone light up and blow up like never before <laughs> since I left the company. And that was when uh, the decision was made to take the former Chaotic Wrestling Women's Championship and you turned it into the Panoptic Championship. Now, that was a pretty big shift. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about what went into that decision making. Uh, how much were you involved in it? and the conversations that happened around that transition? Uh, I I only tell you what I know, because I wasn't involved in, I wouldn't say I was involved in any decision-making, um, but I do know that I had the title, and it was just challenging to um, bring women in, especially, like, a lot of women weren't even taking bookings because of they were just, like, oh, it's lockdown or, you know, whatever. Like, we're just going to wait for wrestling to come back. They just, like, weren't taking bookings or didn't want to travel because of the pandemic. And so the, like, limited options meant that, like, I my title reign was, like, two matches or whatever. And then it was, like, now who, what do I do? At the time, we had Riddix, uh, who's a luchador. Mm -hmm. um, he He was, like, training with us a lot and we had like a series of class matches which were like super fun a great experience for me um and yeah I, I think like you know people saw that like Chase saw that and was like man I, I wish we could do this on like a taping because that would be fun mm -hmm. and like you know we've already had all these matches so it's like it's not like we've never worked for or whatever like and it kind of and then like that kind of I think kept happening where it would be like oh man like I wish you know that that could be for you know the title or whatever but um you can't do intergender for a women's title um and then you know our like there was like a you know whole gimmick with like Armani winning the belt and uh Paris Van Dale winning the belt like as a unit and it kind of like that's you know I don't know it just like the four it wasn't necessarily just like one woman holding the belt you know it was like sure. now there's two people holding the belt and then it was kind of like okay like oh is this a is this limiting the person who holds it because you know you want like a you want winning a championship to feel like it's opening doors for you and not closing them um and so, like, if you're on the string of, like, you know, able to to work with all of these, like, male students at, you know, at the school and, like, have these, like, you know, 
reloaded taping matches with them and then you win a title and now you can't do that anymore and like I don't know just felt like it was limiting um I I think like that was kind of my role in terms of like Mm -hmm. bringing that change but I can't really speak to like the full reasoning for everything because I wasn't like you know in the room when that happened but um yeah I did help like come up with the name um and things like that but I wasn't like (laughs) I wasn't like there like because again like i said my phone immediately blew up um yeah i i, I sure in hell had questions i'm not i'm not going to sit here and be um i'm not going to lie uh A i i was very did. confused yeah. and, and i i think when i when i kind of watched the the youtube thing uh i think the person who, who spoke best for me and i love her is lish uh, alicia edwards alexis um when they interviewed her and they asked her about it and she was completely confused about who could defend it, who could win it. And that was kind of my reaction. I, I didn't quite get it. Um, I kind of saw here's a belt that certainly had some lineage to some big names out there. And and then it switched. My question for you is, because I, I brought up that little special for a reason, and I'm going to quote you for a minute, okay? Oh, God. No, I'm curious I'm about this. No, you're, I'm curious about this. Um. In terms of chaotic, you said that the view of chaotic was previously was old school and that there were assumptions about people on the roster and expectation that everyone was straight, cisgendered, or heteronormative. Was that your perception of chaotic wrestling coming in? That was my perception of a lot of indie wrestling. Yeah. Interesting. In what way? (laughs) I think, well, first of all, my first chaotic locker room experience was like January 2020 it was also my first match so I hadn't like been in a lot of locker rooms at the time but it felt to me specifically with the women Mm -hmm. like it was like not uh I don't know how to say this (laughs) It's okay. Not really like import that important to the show. That's how it felt to me. Gotcha. And even just being in the locker room, it felt very much like those are like like those guys, and they are like ugh, I don't whatever. I'll just say it. like people said some really fucked up stuff. Like mm-hmm. especially the students. Like there were men who wrestled for chaotic, who were grown men who were saying disgusting things to. Um, other female wrestlers and other people and everybody knew about it and like nobody seemed to really care or do anything and you know some of those comments would be aimed at like sexuality or gender um and yeah it it, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a good vibe to me um personally no and, and again what you're saying doesn't doesn't surprise me um nor do, nor do I try to defend it. I think the difference for us was um, we did have some very strong uh, female personalities on our shows for a lot of years. And I don't know if you've ever heard of or met Nikki Rocks. Oh, yes. I know Nikki Rocks. Yeah. The, the, the <laughs> best thing about Nikki was um, when she was on the roster. Um, yeah, she wouldn't let that crap happen. Yeah. Um. Nikki was almost like a precursor to Davey, where 
uh, Nikki would would hit harder and and be tougher than half the guys on the roster. And I always said that was a huge credit to Nikki. Hell yeah. Now, talking about that, has that feeling and has that vibe changed in Chaotic now? Um, I, I definitely think it has. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think like the Panopti Championship got like a lot of heat online. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I think like kind of like doubling down on that kind of sends a message to like not just everyone outside of chaotic but also everyone in chaotic like you know this is this is what we're doing and um yeah I think but I I think also like it it wasn't that it was also really just like during you know the the speaking out movement a lot Mm -hmm. of people got called out and also a lot of people didn't get called out but like I think they knew that they would be and so they like right chose not to come back to wrestling um and i think potential embarrassment is a great motivator (laughs) against uh negative behavior yes yeah and and i so i think like that was an opportunity too to like rebrand um internally and there were some like very specific conversations had like at the school about like this is the behavior that we tolerate at the school this is what we don't Mm -hmm. um and I had never had that at a wrestling school before, really. Like things at other schools that I had been at were handled very differently. Not to say they weren't handled or like those schools did a bad job, but it was, it, it just felt like much more like official or professional. Um, and, and needless, you know, there's always going to be bad people in uh-huh. wrestling, always. Um, but I do think now when you look at the roster and you look at the shows, uh, there's just a lot of opportunities there for women, um, for queer wrestlers to really be themselves and not feel like I have to look this way or act this way in order to be taken seriously or to have a spot on the show. Um, so I think it just kind of was a chance to expand too and showcase lots of different types of, of personalities and um and then not to say that that didn't happen on chaotic before because like i didn't watch that much of chaotic you know i I wasn't really around that long so maybe there were was more of that but from what i had seen um there was more just like one women's match well when i watched it would it was like one women's match um Mm -hmm. and then like maybe there would be like an intergender tag or something like that um which also, like, I I want to clarify that, like, I really loved Chaotic, and I think that um, the women's title meant a lot. And so I I'm, don't want it to seem like, oh, th- it was just nothing. It didn't do anything for anyone. I absolutely don't believe that at all. And I actually was, when I first heard about the Panoptic Championship, I was a little torn myself. Because I was like, this is such an important part of women's wrestling history mm-hmm. in New England. And it's like a guaranteed spot on the show for women. Um, and like, I knew about Nikki Rocks and, you know, of course, Alicia Edwards and Dave Yen and, um, you know, all these other 
women that had um you know mistress belmont i loved her like i, I love her still to this day like all these women that i had seen when i was just training like i saw the bell and i saw like those opportunities and i i i was really torn i was like this is this is sad that it's going away because it means so much and um there's not a lot of other places in new england that do have like a you know a beautiful belt that um is taken seriously uh, as far as women's wrestling on the indies at the time went was taken seriously um and so yeah i I just want to like emphasize that because i Mm -hmm. don't want it to sound like i don't think that there were that it it was important because i do and i still sometimes you know to this day i'm like oh like i kind of missed having that you know women's belt at least but i think now when i look at the chaotic shows there's so many women involved in so many different ways in so many different stories and um capacities that i don't feel like it's like oh man we need a women's match on the show it's like no we have like shannon doing like you know jumping off the balcony and like doing crazy (laughs) stuff and like we have paris and um davian and ava and you know all these other people and um and me you know like we're we're all like involved there and um it feels like there's plenty of opportunities now to be involved not just as like a women's match on the show but as like a part of a um, storyline that is you know important to the crowd and important to other wrestlers on the roster that Mm -hmm. you know regardless of their gender so yeah and and hey I'll, i'll be honest with you i see both sides of it um on one hand i i do agree with you that was my that was my big question when i saw that panoptic championship um when that when that title changed over my first thought was it didn't make sense to me because i did think that women's championship in new england was unique it was respected and it did give women in new england something to aspire to and be a part of that was special and not part of everything or everyone else but i also want to say becca you're not wrong um when it came to my time and if any of my bookers were on this call with us if they said otherwise i would call them a liar no um the women's matches on our shows if i if it were a thanksgiving dinner it was the mashed potatoes it was the stuffing it was never the turkey it was never the main course Mm -hmm. and again i understand why now that has changed it changed from wwe straight through the entire industry we're now things have changed and it's it's a progression and i will always say that while i may from my you know corner seat on the west coast i may be confused or i may question the decision uh that doesn't mean i'm right either the world <laughs> progresses no seriously the world progresses and things changed and things change and the option for someone like me is you either accept that change and go along with it or you become one of these idiots on social media who just you know shakes their fist at the sky and says that's not the way it used to be so again at least it's i think (laughs) it's great for those of you who are in the business now um that it gives so many more people the opportunity and i'm interested to see where it all leads now you did say one thing and i know we're kind of running low on time but 
you did mention about, you know, there will always be bad people in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Becca, in October, you turned on Aaron Rourke. You're <laughs> one of the bad people in wrestling now, Becca. What, what's up with that? Why would you do that? Hey. So is, it, is this your first time working as a heel, as a true heel? Um, no, I... What do you like? Do you like working face or heel better? <laughs> I like both. Okay. Honestly, I depends on the situation. I think both are fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then, because again, you you turned on Aaron, and then you you wrestled in Pandemonium, right? In the mm-hmm. in the six person in the six person cluster. Um, how was how was it working Pandemonium in a multi person matches versus just a regular straight up match? Um, it was crazy. Like, yeah, definitely a weird type of match um but it was fun and yeah it was it was like a, it was a fun time and definitely chaotic to be chaotic to be in the ring you know with like so many different people at uh at one time or one time I don't know I'm trying to remember how everyone came out with it because it was me what? and Shannon and Tyree Taylor and then right. yeah it was it was chaos <laughs> yeah and then then you got eliminated right before the final two if I remember correctly yes because yeah. the, the, the go home was between um um it was between Ricky and um um Brad Cashew and then that's right. Brad that's went right. over. that's right yeah. that's what it was I, I knew I knew Ricky was the final two I couldn't remember who went over so all right so we are up against the clock. I, I don't want to keep anybody too long. Um, but Becca, what I do do is I end all of my episodes with what I call the chaotic countdown. I use that okay. term because I made it up and, and Chase stole it from me. Um, so <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get my trademark back. But no, I, it's called the chaotic countdown. And what it is, is what I has, I have a list of questions. And I'm going to time this. We're going to take two minutes. I'm going to have you okay. answer as many of these rapid fire questions as you can. All right. Are you ready for the chaotic countdown? Okay. I think so. Here we go. Uh, When you started watching wrestling, who was your favorite wrestler to watch? Uh, uh, um, Becky Lynch. Uh, Who is the who is your most hated wrestler to watch? Hated? Hated? Who didn't you like to watch? Who do you hate? Oh my God, no! I can't. Or or, or who do you love to hate? How's that? Um, Who's your favorite heel? Okay, I, I'm going to say, oh my God, uh, Seth Rollins. That's Seth fine. Rollins. Okay. Yeah. Um, away from wrestling, what is your all-time favorite movie? Oh my God. Uh, uh, oh, um, I don't even know. This is so much pressure. These are lightning questions, Becca. Come on. Oh. All right, next. If, if you were to show me your phone right now, what is on your, what's on your Spotify playlist right now? Um, okay, right now, um, I'm listening to Beyonce, um, I'm listening to, um, I Love McConan, um, yeah, Taylor Swift, lots of pop right now, I'm in a pop mood right now. Gotcha. If you could travel anywhere in the world that you have not been, where would you want to go? Oh my god, I really want to go to Greece. Awesome. And if you could bring one person with you, who would you bring? My God. Um, 
to I'm gonna say Ava Everett. Okay. Yeah. I know you're in shape. You talk about being an athlete and being a wrestler, but uh, when you have a cheat day, what is your favorite cheat day food? <gasps> oh my god. Um. Probably like a vegan burger. Vegetarian burger. Yeah, I'm pausing the timer. Hold on. <laughs> you can't make a vegan burger your your cheat day food. But oh, lots of cheese on it. I don't know. Oh man. Oh. Lots wow. of fake cheese. You damn kids with your vegan fake cheese. Uh, uh, okay, here we are. Um, okay, you're now living in New England, so I have to ask you this question: What is your go-to order, Dunkin' Donuts? Um, uh, ice, large ice latte, and two um, egg and cheese wake-up wraps. Nice. Mine to this yeah. day. That's my biggest regret moving to the West Coast is we don't have a lot of dunks out here, and I daily miss my medium iced milk and two Splenda. So last good. last two questions for you as we wrap up. Um, if you could wrestle any past chaotic wrestler at Cold Fury, who would you want to wrestle? Um, Mercedes Monet. Mercedes Monet, Mercedes Sasha Mercedes Banks. Monet, yeah, Sasha Monet. Sasha Banks, <laughs> Mercedes KV. Um, and if you could wrestle any current WWE superstar at Mania, who would it be? Oh, shoot. That's so good. Um, Io Shirai. Awesome. Or Io, Io Sky, whatever it's called now. <laughs> and your last question. Becca, where do you want to be five years from now in wrestling? Oh, that's awesome. Um, I want to be everywhere on TV, just like causing mayhem. Yeah. Awesome. On TV causing mayhem. Yes. Well, Becca, again, I know we've never met in person, but this was absolutely fun talking to you hopefully if i get back to the east coast we can actually meet in person and say hello one of these days um where can people find you on social media um twitter and instagram uh at becca forever b3cca for ever um i also have a website um it's becca forever like i just said um dot square dot site and i have merch there matches music just like kind of everything about me is on there. Um, so yeah. Awesome. So everybody can find you online and on social media. Check it out. Buy some of Becca's merchandise um, and, and help indie wrestlers survive. So again, Becca, I do want to thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure and good luck at your next Chaotic Wrestling show. Thank you so much. This was really fun. All right. We'll talk to you soon. And that's going to do it for the very first new episode of Let the Chaos Begin Rebooted. I want to thank my guest, Becca. I want to thank Chase Del Monte over Chaotic Wrestling for helping me get this new podcast off the ground. And I want to thank all of you for giving us a listen. Looking forward to being back in a couple weeks with another new episode and another new guest on the brand new Let the Chaos Begin rebooted podcast. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all again soon. Let the Chaos Begin rebooted is a production of Ohana Podcasts in cooperation with Chaotic Wrestling. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you listen to podcasts. Psycho, anything to add this week? What, 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 what? <laughs> yeah! All right, perfect. Talk to you all next time on Let the Chaos Begin Rebooted.